Hi, I'm Richard Byrne, and welcome to episode 38 of the Practical EdTech Podcast. Today is March 20th, 2020. Let's jump right into some news and notes from the world of education and technology and the world at large. Unless you've been living under a rock, you know schools everywhere are closed, or so it seems. I'm not hearing anyone who still has school open. Uh, my school is closed until at least April 27th. I just found that information, just got that information about 10, 12 minutes ago. Um, initially, we were going to be closed for just two weeks, and now we're stretched out to the end of April at the earliest as a response to Maine's state of emergency that was issued. So there's that. As I mentioned last week and the week before that, I think every EdTech company, every company out there, vendor out there, seems to be trying to help in some way or another by offering their services for free. Uh, one worth noting, thanks to uh, Jim for sharing this with me and also for uh, a few other people who have shared this with me, including my director, uh, who said, Loom. Loom has offered their pro version for free to all students and teachers. So check that out. Uh, Loom, by the way, Loom's original free plan was already pretty great, and now it's even better. Uh, Loom's a service that I've used in the past. I've recommended it in the past, actually, for uh, creating screencast videos directly from your inbox. I have found it really handy when someone emails me, like a colleague emails me and say, hey, says, hey, how do I do this? I just click the Loom button in my inbox and I can start recording directly from there and just send them back a video in response to their email. Really, really kind of cool. Uh, so check that out. All right. Uh, some other things. The Cincinnati Zoo. Fun thing. If you're looking for things to do at home with your kids, uh, we actually did this yesterday with my toddlers. Cincinnati Zoo is offering free virtual tours every day at 3 p.m. Just go to their Facebook page. Uh, it's a Cincinnati Zoo and Botanical Garden. Check them out on Facebook. Subscribe to their Facebook page. Follow their Facebook page and join in one of their virtual tours. My daughter, my three-year-old loved it yesterday. So check that out. For your older people, my buddy Tom Ritchie is offering free live AP US world and government classes online. There are live sessions that he's he's streaming and you can also get the recordings of them. Go to tomritchie.net slash corona class and he has uh, placed all the buttons there to go and sign up and check it out. Uh, and everything's on his YouTube channel as well. So you can go there as well. Go to tomritchie.net slash Corona class, or just go to Tom Ritchie on YouTube to find us up there. Rushton Hurley is offering weekly webinars. Rushton is the founder of Next Vista for Learning. You've probably heard me talk about him in the past. He's doing uh, live webinars on Wednesdays and Fridays. I'll actually be joining him next Friday for one of his I'll be dropping in next Friday as a guest on one of his. Uh, we haven't quite titled it yet, but basically we're going to answer a whole lot of questions. 
and I'm going to share what I'm doing in my new online classroom now that all my classes are transitioned to online. So check out Rushton's stuff, uh, nextvista.org. I'm also doing a free webinar next week in conjunction with edtechteacher.org. Go to their page. Uh, information will be up on their homepage pretty soon. You can see they've got a couple other um, free workshops coming up, free online workshops coming up, so check that out. Uh, all right. Uh, speaking of things that are not free, I have unfortunately had to pull the plug on offering the Practical EdTech Summer Camp this year. Uh, I have a, a cutoff, had a cutoff date in the contract with the venue and with the uncertainty around travel and large gatherings going forward, I just couldn't make the commitment uh, to keep it going uh, without really risking a lot more money on my end. Uh, so unfortunately, I've had to pull the plug on it. I'm going to try to offer it as a virtual event over the summer, still working out how that's going to look and the pricing for it. And I'm also going to try to get some sponsors for it. So maybe I can do it at no cost. We'll see. Long story short, not going to be able to do it this summer. And I'm really bummed about it because I was really looking forward to it. I'd included some, some new components that I was really excited about, including doing Arduino stuff. Uh, and also organizing a social event, an evening social event for the first time. So I was really looking forward to that. Unfortunately, can't really do it this year. Um, all right. So looking for things to do at home with your kids, keep them busy, or looking for things to do to pass along to your students' parents to keep them busy at home. Got a few little things you might want to check out. Um, number one, the... New York Academy of Medicine has a page of historical coloring pages from museums and libraries around the world. There's 117 participating institutions. Really cool stuff. Uh, so check that out. Just go to colorourcollections.org and you can find all of that. So that's a good place to, to go. Uh, another thing that's worth noting, and I've talked about this many times over the years. Exploratorium has lots of great hands-on science things you can do at home on their Science Snacks webpage. Go to exploratorium.edu slash snacks. You'll find hundreds of activities you can do for science lessons at home for no cost or for very little cost. All the stuff you probably already have in your kitchen or in your, your junk drawer in your in your pantry or in your laundry room. Really fun stuff. They've got stuff for every grade level. You can imagine uh, hundreds and hundreds of activities. There. So go there. You'll find lots of stuff you can do uh, at home. You don't have to really be online except to get the directions. All right, so covered all of the kind of news and notes stuff that I was going to cover today. Some thoughts and reflections from my classroom or, or my, now my home office slash classroom for the next six weeks or the foreseeable future. Uh, super proud of some of my students who really kind of took the bull by the horns this week 
and created some online discussion groups on their own using Discord. Now, Discord is a tool that I had not previously used myself. Um, my students had talked about it. Mostly it's a server, mostly it's, mostly it's a network for people who are playing video games to chat, but you can use it to chat for anything. And they put me in their group. Uh, they actually named me something funny, uh, His Highness or something like that. Uh, his Excellency. They called me His Excellency in the in their group, so that uh, was fun. Uh, you know, happy to uh, happy to connect with my kids pretty much any way that that they want. Um, you know, all all assignments and all work is going to be happening in Google Classroom and with Google Hangouts. Uh, one of the things I decided early on on Monday, actually, I decided this, uh, which was the first day of not going to school. Uh, Monday, I decided I'm going to keep my schedule just like it would be if we were meeting in class. So by that, I mean, I'm going to post assignments in Google Classroom and e and send out emails to my students at the same time that class would normally meet. So I have a class that meets at 7.35 in the morning. That's when I'm sending out the materials for that class. I have a class that meets at 10.24. Uh, and another class that meets on the alternating day at 1024. That's when I'm going to post materials for them. And that's also when I'm going to host my host the Hangout sessions. Now, I'm for my first week, I'm using Hangouts mostly as just a check-in, just to say, hey, how's it going? You know, put a face with a name. The other thing I'm doing is every day I'm posting a short video about 90 seconds long, just of a quick, hey, it's Mr. Byrne. Here's what's happening in class. Here's what's happening, not in class, but here's what's happening. Um, just to kind of put my face out there. And I, you know, working in some things like a funny dad joke, or I include a link to a funny video for them, just to try to keep it, oh, you know, well, try to not, not to keep it light, but to keep it like my classroom. You know, when you come to my classroom, you're not going to have. 80 minutes or 160 minutes, depending on the class, of just Mr. Byrne being 100% serious the whole time, right? So try to keep that going. Um, now, it's not easy to replicate that online, and it takes practice, but we'll get there. Been busy making a lot of tutorials for my colleagues this week and for other people on the internet. I am literally overwhelmed with request help, uh, helpful requests, requests for help, sorry, requests for help from people all over the world. And I actually had to put up a, a little autoresponder on my email, on my inbox uh, just to, you know, say, I'm sorry, I can't help everyone immediately right now. The people I have a contractual obligation to help, my colleagues and my students are going to come first and everyone else I'm going to try to get to when I can get to it. Uh, that said, I'm still working through it as quickly as I can, but just to set that expectation that I might not get back to you right away um, for the next week or two as I try to get through a lot of stuff. You know, this week in particular has really felt like I've done two weeks worth of work in one week. Um, so last little thing, last little thought or reflection, and I, I wrote this up originally as an email to my colleagues and then decided to put it on edtechfitness.com uh, 
some advice on working from home from someone who did it for almost a decade. Uh, I spent most of the last decade when I wasn't visiting clients or speaking at conferences, I was working from home in isolation or I was working from a hotel room in isolation. Uh, and so some things that you might want to know if you've never had to do it before, if you've never spent a prolonged period of time working from home, here's a few little things for you. Number one, get up and get dressed every day. It's really easy to just sit in your pajamas or sit in your hoodie, right? And there are days when you, when I've done that, but try to get dressed and I'm not saying put on a tie, but try to dress the way you might dress if you're going to your classroom. So for me, that's this is how I dress going to my classroom. You know, I work in a tech school. Dress code is a little bit different than it would be if I worked in a traditional academic school. So yeah, I wear I wear various flannel shirts. I wear button down shirts. You know, so I put a button down shirt on and I try to iron it or not be totally wrinkly, right? So that it projects for my students, hey, we're not on vacation, we're not on a snow day, we're actually still doing school, we're actually still trying to do school. Okay? So that's tip number one. Uh, it, it, additionally, that also makes you feel better. It makes you feel like you're going to work. Okay? If you can, try to set aside a space in your house that is dedicated work space, even if it's just you know, a little nook in your bedroom and your partner isn't going to touch that little corner of it or whatever it is. Set up a space that's your work space and use it as your workspace. Again, if you go to the, if you say, I'm going to go to the couch with my laptop, really easy, just sink into the couch and not get a whole lot done. So uh, do that. Set up a schedule for when you're going to reply to emails, when you're going to reply to help requests, when you're going to do your 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 school work. Again, it can be really easy to say, well, I'll just kind of do it throughout the day, pick at it here and there, right? And before you know it, you spent 12 hours working when you could have gotten it all done in six hours. Trust me on that. It's happened to me a lot. Uh, <laughs> so try to set up a schedule, right? Uh, my students now know that I'm going to be replying to emails at the times that they would have class with me. So I'll reply to their emails at the times they have class with me. I'll be posting assignments. Uh, I'll be interacting with them at the times they would normally have class with me. And try to keep try to keep some kind of schedule that way. It'll go a long way to keeping your sanity so you don't feel like you're you're chasing your tail all day long. Um, you know, and, and work out those blocks of time. Like, okay, right now I'm working on creating assignments or I'm working on creating content for my kids. Uh, and then you have a block of time where, okay, now I'm working on replying to those kids, right? W create those those blocks, those chunks of time. Whatever you, whatever works for you in terms of chunking your time, try to create those chunks of time. And the last thing I'll say is get out of your chair, get up and exercise. It doesn't have to be a workout. Just go walk around your, if you can, walk around your neighborhood or walk around your yard or do 25 jumping jacks, whatever. Get some movement in your life. Get away from the screen a little bit. It'll go a long way to kind of reset your brain and make you feel a little less like you're just stuck in front of the computer all day long. All right. So let's move on now to Q&A. So 
like I said, I've gotten a ton of questions this week, and unfortunately, I haven't been able to answer all of them as quickly as I would like to. But I'm gonna. I've, so I've uh, I've picked a handful here that I think might have a broad appeal. Uh, I'm literally getting dozens of them every day. I've just kind of picked some that I think have uh, have a broad appeal. All right, and. For those of you who are reading the show notes of this, yes, I am truncating what how the questions were really written. Right. So, question came from Vaughn, uh, who is talking, ab- who is asking about screen sharing. Um, so, normally in class, students can see my screen on their desktops and on the smart board. Now, what they'll do is they'll place the screen side by side, mine and theirs, in order to check their work. I was hoping for the same experience in distance learning. The programs, however, make the actual screen so small that it would be hard for them to follow easily. I realize they can enlarge content, but the viewing area remains rather small. An alternative is to enlarge my screen to fit their entire desktop, but that defeats the purpose of their being able to check my screen. Do you have any suggestions for the best interface to allow students to use more of their desktop to see my coding more clearly? So, obviously, Vaughn teaches a, teaches a coding class. He's tried Zoom. He's tried Blackboard. Hasn't worked that well. Uh, Microsoft Teams. If you have a, you can get a free Microsoft account. By the way, people don't often realize you can get a free Microsoft account, um, and you can use a, their their tools online. Microsoft Teams actually has a, a function that was built for interviewing potential coders uh, or computer science employees. And so on Microsoft Teams, you may want to explore what they have for screen sharing and splitting your screen. So that that's an option. Um, and if you haven't played around with it much, the on the viewer side of Zoom, so the student who's watching your Zoom meeting, he or she does have the option to resize not only the content, but actually the, the overall display of the Zoom. Uh, so they can go to their viewing options in Zoom and they can actually play around with that. So they may be able to split their screen side by side that way. So that is a feature in Zoom, but I think it often gets overlooked. And again, if you haven't been a participant in Zoom very much, but just been the presenter, you may not have ever seen that feature. All right, uh, question from Aaron. And again, I'm truncating this one because there was a lot of lead in to it. Uh, We're out of school for six weeks. As of Friday, teachers are locked out of the building. We've been encouraged to stay in touch with our students, especially high-risk students, including maybe calling them. That's what I'm doing, by the way. I'm doing a lot of phone calls as well. We've been discouraged from calling from our personal phones because we shouldn't be giving them out, giving out personal phone numbers. So my question, are there any online tools that allow teachers to create a phone number where they could call students and or students, parents to call and leave a message for their teachers? Thanks, uh, Aaron. All right. So a few things uh, come to mind, Aaron. Number one, I'll tell you what I'm doing in my school. We're using a service called 3CX, number three, CX, that allows us to call from our personal phones, also from our desktops, 
using the same number that we would have at the school. Okay, so basically it's a patch through to our school's phone system. I don't know what phone system your school has, that might be worth checking into. You can also use Google Voice. You can set up a free Google Voice number and you could then call from your computer and or call from your phone and have just your Google Voice number show up instead of your personal number, you know, like your, your primary cell phone number. So you could try that. Uh, you might also try Skype calling. Uh, now Skype calling is not free to dial numbers. Let me double check on that. Believe Skype calling is not free to direct phone numbers, uh, but it is cheap. I spent, I've got $10 worth of credit years ago and I'm still using that credit. So take that for what it's worth. And that wouldn't show your personal number either. So a few options to consider right there. Uh, all right, question came from Jim. Um, so I have a quick question. Do you know of an online photo editor that enables someone to add pointer, pointer arrows and text to a photo so you can point to something in the photo and label it? All the online photo editors I've checked have cropping tools, lighting tools, etc. but I'm not interested in that. None of the photo editors I've discovered have the ability to simply insert a straight pointing arrow into a photo with some text. Thanks, Jim. I wrote back to Jim and I suggested using Nimbus Screenshot. In fact, I used Nimbus Screenshot to make some tutorial images this week. Nimbus Screenshot, you can get it as a Chrome extension, as a Firefox extension, and as an Opera extension. You can also get it as a Chrome app for your Chromebook which will allow you to capture not only your browser window, but anything else that's on your Chromebook. So check that out, Nimbus Screenshot, great little tool. Uh, in fact, if you're watching the video version of this podcast, uh, go to nimbusweb.me slash screenshot.php and you'll see it's a Nimbus Screenshot and you can get it for the device that for the... Um, the platform that you're using. On a related note, not a not a question that I have in the show notes here today. Someone tweeted at me yesterday. Actually, Beth Holland uh, tweeted at me yesterday with suggest with question on suggestions for capturing Android screen images. My suggestion was to mirror your Android device to your computer and then do the capture of the mirrored image. The way I do mirroring is either with Visor, V-Y-S-O-R, or Air Server. Either one of those will work, and then just do a screen capture of the mirrored image. Heck of a lot easier than trying to install screen capture software on your phone directly. All right. Question from Robbie. Who writes, hi Richard, I use Screencastify, free version, regularly. But now that we are all teaching from home, five minutes is just not enough time. Have you heard of anything, whether Screencastify would or is making other offers to give teachers a break on longer videos, a free upgrade for a limited time, et cetera? Just wondering, Robbie. So I wrote back to Robbie and short answer is 
there are other tools out there that have longer video recording times. Loom, uh, which you can find at loom.com. That's one option. Uh, they have longer recording time. Screencast-O-Matic has longer recording times available. But the bigger point that I want to emphasize, and I emphasize this all the time when talking about video projects for kids or talking about video projects, period. Better to have two five-minute videos than one 10-minute video. And here's why. Our viewing habits are such that we tune out. If we know the video is going to go on for 10 minutes, we will step away for a minute and then come back. Or we'll look at something else for a minute and then come back. Whereas if it's a shorter video, we're less likely to look away than if it's a longer video. And that's not, just, not something I'm making up. Uh, Wistia, Wistia.com had did some research on this a few years back. And it's true. People will watch two five-minute videos or watch two three-minute videos, but they won't watch one six-minute video or one 10-minute video all the way through. Now, there are obviously exceptions to that rule. That's not a hard and fast rule, but that tends to be the data. Now, if you go really long, then people tune in even long, will start tuning in again. But if you're in this middle ground of you know, like seven or eight minutes, generally people don't watch for very, don't watch all the way through. And I can tell you that from my own YouTube analytics as well. So I would emphasize try to do like two five minute videos or two three minute videos with your kids or three three minute videos with your kids and post those up. Question from Brenda, who wrote, Hi Richard, how are you? Hope you are well in the midst of all this crazy. We are strictly online now, as are most schools. Our LHMP has asked how to go about scheduling appointments with students without breaking confidentiality. Example, Google Spreadsheets is a good option for me, but my appointments are not as confidential as our therapists are. Do you have any other suggestions? Brenda, I wrote back to Brenda this morning and I said, Google Calendar Appointment Pages. If you have G Suite for Education, and I assume you do if you're in education and you're using Google Spreadsheets, if you have G Suite for Education, or G Suite for Business for that matter, you can create appointment slots. You can create a Google Calendar appointment slot page. It's different than your regular Google Calendar events where you're going to share them. These are just appointments that you and the person you sign up get to see. Nobody else. So check that out. I have a video on how to do it. It's on my YouTube channel. Go to my YouTube channel and just search for Google Calendar Appointments. It'll be the first thing you find. All right. And last but not least, another question from Jim. Sorry to bug you again so soon. No, don't worry about that. Uh, question with screenshots and sharing. I want to make a very quick guide to tech questions with screenshots and share it. I just mean basic questions, nothing complex. I'd like to, like to be able to simply toss up a few screenshots on the site and quickly share it. What do you think? Uh, so my suggestion here, if it's just a few screenshots, dump them into a Google Doc or a Word Doc, publish that as a simple standalone web page. It's one option. The other option is maybe put them into Google Slides or Canva, a Canva slide presentation, and just hit the publish to web button, put them up that way. Uh, if you want to get a little bit more organized, maybe put them into a Google site. Right? Put the pictures put the pictures into a Google Doc and put that Google Doc in the Google site. Be a solution there. 
All right, so I've gone long. I've gone rambling on and on and on. It's uh, almost half an hour now of me talking. So as always, if you have a question for me, feel free to send me an email, richard at burn.media. I am trying my best to get back to everybody as quickly as I can. I always have lots of tutorials on my YouTube channel as well. So thanks for listening. Be safe, wash your hands, and hopefully we can all get together in person.